Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, October 3rd episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. In addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Since December of 2018, we have featured over 130 poets on five continents in 15 countries, and we hope to continue to do that with your support. And you can support us by going to poetsandmuses.com forward slash donate and donate either via PayPal or your preferred credit cards. Today's episode features my conversation with Ritu Korian, with whom I discussed her poem, I Am the Desi Man's Fetish, and my poem, Same Shoes. Before we turn to that, however, I am going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of October 4th. On Monday, October 4th, from 3 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, the First People's Fund will be hosting their Youth Native American Professional Development with Tanea Winder. You can find out more information at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 291-037-569-060-818. Again, that's at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 291-037-569-060-818. On Tuesday, October 5th, from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Urban War NYC will be hosting their first draft open mic for those between the ages of 13 and 23. It's a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. Again, that's at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. On Wednesday, October 6th, from 6 p.m. Amsterdam time, Word Up Amsterdam will be hosting their Inspiration Factory writing workshop by Janice. You can find out more information at wordupamsterdam.com. Again, that's at wordupamsterdam.com. From 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Cave Condom Foundation will be hosting their With Love Like Black, Our Black, Black Poetry and Literary Citizenship with Amanda Johnston, Ryan Jones, L. Lamar Wilson, and Yolanda Wisher. You can find out more information at cavecondompoets.org forward slash event. Again, that's at caveconompoets.org forward slash event. From 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the White Whale Bookstore will be hosting their virtual poetry reading with Daniel Beagleson, Jason Schneiderman, and Cameron Barnett. You can find out more information at whitewhalebookstore.com forward slash events. Again, that's at whitewhalebookstore.com forward slash events. From 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Beyond Baroque Literary Arts will be hosting their poetry workshop with Joseph Rios. You can find out more information at beyondbaroque.org forward slash free underscore workshops.html. Again, that's at beyondbaroque.org 
forward slash free underscore workshops.html. From Thursday, October 7th to Saturday, October 23rd, LitQuick will be hosting their 2021 Literary Festival. You can find out more information at litquick.org. Again, that's at litquick.org. L-I-T-Q-U-A-K-E. Again, that's at L-I-T-Q-U-A-K-E. From 4 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Quince Orchard Library will be hosting their Teens Write Poetry for those 13 and up. You can find out more information at mcpl.libnet.info forward slash events. Again, that's at mcpl.libnet.info forward slash events. From 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the White Whale Bookstore will be hosting their virtual poetry book launch, Ghost Mother by Valerie Bukarak, with readings from Angela Ellis, Emily Moan Slate, and Jen Ashburn. You can find out more information at whitewhalebookstore.com forward slash events. Again, that's at whitewhalebookstore.com forward slash events. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nuijinan TV will be hosting their Nuijinan Scott Talent with CJ Grits, which showcases indigenous youths between 13 and 25 via Instagram Live. You can find out more information at RSVP and Nuijinan TV on Instagram. That's N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V on Instagram. From 8 to 10 p.m. Central Daylight Time, the South Dakota State Poetry Society will be hosting the Electronic Poetry Garden. You can find out more information at artssouthdakota.org forward slash event. Again, that's at artssouthdakota.org forward slash event. On Friday, October 8th, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. British time, Poetry LGBT will be hosting their Speak Your Truth writing workshop. You can find out more information by messaging the host, Andrina Leanne, at survivor.andrina.leanne on Instagram. Andrina is spelled A-N-D-R-E-E-N-A, and Leanne is spelled L-E-E-A-N-N-E. From 7 p.m. West Africa time, Graciano and Worm and Nopal Flower will be hosting their Corona Versus open mic via Instagram Live at Graciano and Worm. From 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, Sacred Voices will be hosting their monthly open mic, this time featuring Cipriano Ortega. You can find out more information at Sacred Voices Denver on Instagram. Again, that's at Sacred Voices Denver on Instagram. From 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, the Los Angeles Poets Society will be hosting their Lunario Poetico, their Spanish language open mic, Microfono Abierto en Español. You can find out more information at lapoetsociety.org forward slash events. Again, that's at lapoetsociety.org forward slash events. From 8 to 9.30 p.m. India Standard Time, our past poet guest Umesh Mohikar will be hosting his Let's Amash Life 
open mic. You can find out more information at Let's Unmesh Life on Instagram and Facebook. Again, that's at Let's Unmesh Life on Instagram and Facebook. On Sunday, October 10th, from 4.45 to 7 p.m. British time, Andrina and GJ will be hosting their monthly Adult Survivors Open Mic. You can find out more information at Adult Survivors Open Mic on Instagram. Again, that's at Adult Survivors Open Mic on Instagram. From 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Pure Ink Poetry, hosted by our past poet guest Brendan Williamson, will be hosting their Worldwide Slam. You can find out more information at pureinkpoetry.com. Again, that's at pureinkpoetry.com. From 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Keith the Micon will be hosting their weekly poetry event. You can find out more information at keepthemicon.com. Again, that's at keepthemicon.com. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Ritu Korean. Hi, Ritu. Hello. Thanks for coming on to Poets and Muses. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. You brought with you today your poem, I am the Desi Man's fetish. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that poem, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. I'm currently a grad student at ASU. Mm -hmm. I'm an international student. I live in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And I just finished my first year. Oh, I'm an English literature major. Oh. Yeah. Are you doing an MFA? No, I'm doing a master's in English lit. I just kind of write on the side. Okay, that's so cool. Nice, nice. What's your focus? Right now, I'm absorbing a lot of theory material. Okay. It's really interesting because you get to know how society works and Mm -hmm. why people feel the way they do and live the way they do. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm very informed because of it. Mm. It's helped me a lot. It's interesting. What are you guys reading? I'm curious. Okay, I just finished a theory class where we kind of covered the basics. So Mm -hmm. a little bit of Derrida, we had a little bit of Foucault, which are fundamental texts on discipline and punishment. Mm. (laughs) We did a bunch of good feminist intersectionality texts too, which were pretty awesome. So you're covering the philosophers basically, right? Kind of, yeah. Because when you analyze literature, there's a lot of close reading but I personally think it super helps to ground it in mm-hmm. theory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think we're at a point in literature where we don't really care about the author's intent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more about why were they writing that way mm-hmm. at the time? What yeah. significance did that have? Right. And how does it work today? Mm-hmm. So theory helps a lot for that. Cool. Thank you. I yeah. Do you write poetry often? So this was kind of the first one I've read out in public. Mm -hmm. I've definitely written some. Mm -hmm. I only recently started writing poetry, though, because I was mostly into writing short stories or fiction or, like, just spoken word, kind of. Right. Yeah. So you you perform more short stories then, basically. (laughs) If you didn't read stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just have, like, more of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What made you decide to turn into poetry? I actually did a project last semester. Mm-hmm. I did a Chicanos class, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what it meant. Right. And I took the class. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I wrote, read some Gloria Anzaldúa. It was, like, amazing mm-hmm. and kind of spoke to me a lot. So for my final project, I just did a similar thing that she did. 
okay. which is theory and narrative. Mm-hmm. So it's a memoir narrative that kind of forms theory as they go about okay. the culture that they exist in. Right, right. And so I wrote that poem initially for that project. Oh, cool. And then I kind of tweaked it a lot. Okay, okay. Yeah. Very nice. So if you don't mind reading that for us, that'd be awesome. For sure. I am the Daisy Man's Fetish. Welcome to Mind Over Matter Services, where you can find the modern Daisy woman of your dreams. Just insert coin to activate an empowered, westernized brown woman for your personal amusement. An immersive experience that gives you a peek into the secrets of the female mind. Hello, how do you do? What would you like to drink? My favorite's tequila, shots of margarita. I'm a party girl, you see, and I just like to be free. You only have 30 more seconds of mind over matter, modern DC woman. Insert coin to extend your time. You can press cancel at any time. What are you looking for? Me? I just like to have someone smart, thoughtful, cool, fun, but no commitments. They just aren't for me. What with my liberated sexuality? You only have 30 more seconds of mind over matter, modern Daisy woman. Insert coin to extend your time. You can press cancel at any time. What does that mean? You see, I'm a bisexual, which means I'm pretty flexible. Make all your three-way dreams come true. Just tell me what I need to do. You only have 30 more seconds of mind over matter, modern Daisy woman. Insert coin to extend your time. You can press cancel at any time. Do you like my dyed hair, my skimpy clothes? I like how it makes you look at me, but I also do it to to fight the system, although I'm no feminazi. You only have 30 more seconds of, but wait, I have more to say. What's your favorite, smooth or shaved? Why am I here just on display, please? Would you like me to be your slave? I don't want this kind of life. Here, my world, don't look away. Someone help me, I don't want this. It's not enough to be awake. I can't get out. Don't look away. Don't look away. We're sorry you couldn't find what you wanted. Come back soon. Thank you. <laughs> That's quite a ride. <sighs> so tell us, what was her particular poem that inspired you to write this? And what was your story that inspired you to write this? And is it Desi or Daisy? or It's Daisy. Daisy. Yeah. Sort of like the flower. Is that how kind you pronounce of. it? Yeah. Like the S is flatter and the D is flatter? I don't know. I don't Daisy. never know how to explain these things. Daisy. Daisy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. What was her poem like? And what inspired you to write this particular approach it this way? Right. Until Zoo's poetry was not an inspiration for my poems. Okay. But, but she did have, like, the memoir narrative, like, Ah, story fiction writing or like non-fiction life fiction writing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that worked that that I definitely drew from but the poem comes from my life and appearance kind of changed when I came to America Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, my parents didn't let me dress a certain way speak Mm -hmm. a certain way watch anything that's a certain way Mm -hmm. and so like as soon as I came to America I had all this freedom Mm -hmm. and I kind of had my wardrobe kind of upgraded I dyed my hair I got an American accent which Uh is really exciting for my dad he loves it um (laughs) his only problem with it is that it's not a British accent which he prefers right right (laughs) but like after the first couple of years of studying in America I went home and I went to this party and a lot of the men there 
they responded to very specific things that I said mm-hmm. and then kind of made them mean something else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't like this. I'm mm-hmm. not here for you know, like some kind of show. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of, I, th- I think it's a common story for people who are bisexual, but like the moment you say it, they're like, oh, have you had a threesome? And I'm yeah, just like, yeah. I mean, how can you service me? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, this isn't really about you but (laughs) okay (laughs) that kind of continued to happen Mm -hmm. especially when I went home and Mm -hmm. so I was like okay I see there's a pattern yeah and there's this conception about American women in general absolutely western women are definitely considered to be loose and so Mm -hmm. like they're the kind of women that you can take advantage of for your purposes and Mm -hmm. then they have no hard feelings when you don't want anything serious with them right and I'm like yeah I mean that's true but you were not gonna do that for me thanks (laughs) you know right 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 so it's more a stereotype than anything else yeah (laughs) we know how that doesn't really work in any direction yeah so then you took from her the more narrative form Mm -hmm. and more prose poem form right so For my project, I wrote about my life as a child, mm-hmm. um, how I had issues with gender, how I had issues with like sexuality. Mm-hmm. Those were kind of my main focuses right. and how those kind of were alienated from mm-hmm. the culture I was living in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like my main focus that right. I drew from her. Right. Is Dubai one of the countries where homosexuality mm-hmm. is punishable? Um, I mean, in Dubai, they tend to be more pacifist. So if you do something they don't like, Mm -hmm. you just get deported. Oh, Um, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, and then it's like kind of the problem for the country you're from. Oh, okay. Yes, kind of, yes. Yeah. (laughs) But is there anything on the books against homosexuality? I mean, even premarital sex is illegal. Oh, wow. So yes, homosexuality is illegal. Okay, so there are are laws laws against it, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I know several countries, and not just the Middle East, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there are many countries. I think Kenya just voted to criminalize homosexuality, mm-hmm. and it's in keeping with a Victorian British law that mm-hmm. they've had from the colonial days. Yay! <laughs> yeah, some things kind of stay. Yeah. India's not doing too great on that front either. No, we no. just got Narendra Modi. Again, re-elected yeah. Yeah. a couple How of days ago. Happen? Nobody knows, but we got some issues. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Although maybe it's just because you know our orange has taking up so much screen time that I haven't paid attention to India's reaction. But I haven't felt like there's been such a backlash. But there isn't. I mean, so the problem is that the people who know what's going politically or relatively in the minor because in India there's no middle class mm. basically mm-hmm. like there's like really rich people right. and they're really poor people right, right. and the education gap is also different because of that yeah and so people are party oriented as opposed to like policy oriented or people oriented okay. they're also religion oriented mm-hmm. and Narendra Modi represents a large Hindu population right which is currently right. really violent <laughs> yeah it's not great yeah so you talk about growing up in Dubai, but it seems like you're very in touch with India and its politics as well. Honestly, it's a very late blooming for yeah. in my, my like connection to India because my parents, my dad especially, has his own values, which aren't necessarily, they're not worse, but they're not like great. It's kind of like from a higher position of knowledge. Um, uh, okay. So he like really disparages India for its choices politically and economically. Right. He's just like, 
doesn't want to talk about it. Uh-huh. And so for a while, it was very disconnected. And then I guess when I started college, I was like, mm-hmm. wow, I like know nothing about India. <laughs> um, and so I kind of took the trouble to follow it on the news, kind of read more about it, right, right, right. learn how horrifying it is. Even when I went to India, which was twice a year, every year till high school ended, oh, um, wow. I was just not allowed out because oh, okay. my parents were just really afraid. Yeah. Where um, did you live Oh, I'm from Kerala, so oh, right down the south. Yes, yes, yes. I just remember those masks. Yeah. Very pretty, very colorful. And dancing, apparently. Mm-hmm. One of those main things that I know very little, as you can see. It's <laughs> all good. But yeah, yeah. Kerala is relatively doing better politically, mm-hmm. but still pretty unsafe. Mm-hmm. Really? Like sexual like assault oh, wow. and violence against especially Muslims. Mm. rampant uh, like it's not even news kind of right, right. yeah yeah I seldom pick pick it up in international news and mm-hmm. in order to go international it has to, it has be, to pretty, be really big yeah, yeah I actually wrote a story about beef killings because there are some really bad ones going on do you know about that no what's that um so it's been going around especially in the northern states of India because there are more Hindus Mm-hmm. They're largely Hindu populated and Hindus in power. And they voted for eating cow meat specifically. So you can have buffalo beef, but mm-hmm. you can't have cow beef right. to make that illegal. Mm-hmm. And what they started to do as soon as it was made illegal was lynch Muslims, lynching full on beaten to death on a bus in their own homes in the back of their shed because they're suspected of eating beef. It's very faulty logic right. and it's just an excuse. Right. My state, in protest, had a beef-eating contest mm-hmm, statewide, okay. which was like, everyone hated it. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of these states are passing this law, and Carol is like, we're going to have a beef-eating contest, because <laughs> screw you. Right. And then they had a flood that was an unexpected, right, a lot right. of damages, and the government refused to help. They said it was the gods. Oh, of course. Um, it's always the gods. Yeah. And it was just like, crazy, it's just crazy. Crazy stuff with beef killings. And that was recent? The floods were last year. Okay. The beef killings have been going on for a few years now. It's like I not... I never read that. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And like, I know people from Kerala. <laughs> wow. The, well, the beef killings aren't specifically Kerala, uh, okay. but... But still, I subscribe to a bunch of things. Of course, you know, Twitter, if you don't click mm-hmm. on it often enough, it will not show you. Yeah. <laughs> That's really sad to hear. Mm-hmm. I thought Modi, part of his danger was just his rhetoric I didn't realize it was already going on I mean it's it's kind of like the Trump rhetoric people Mm -hmm. are just emboldened yeah this wasn't really common until Modi started coming into power and people Mm -hmm. were like oh this is okay to do now a really interesting project I saw was a photographer took pictures of women in cow masks Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To kind of talk about how cows seem to have more rights than women. Right. <laughs> because they were filing things for the rights of cows, for cow protection. Right, right. But women had no such thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it was also recently, was a few months back, there was some kind of victory for women. Oh, because the Jen temples, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. that was so icky. I, like, tried to talk about it to my tutor from my like middle school tutor mm-hmm. who is very Hindu mm-hmm. and she was just like what's wrong with these women <laughs> I was like what why do you say that 
Uh-huh. So the reasons, do you know about the temple and the logic behind it? Was it impurity? No, so like, it's got like an impurity logic, but it's also got a much sillier logic, which isn't mm-hmm. as well known, which is, it's the Lord Ayopan's temple, and he's mm-hmm. a hunter who loves women. Oh. So it's for their safety that they don't want to be at the temple, because if they're of a mature age, as in like, of menstruating Age, right, right. they could be susceptible to, to, to his charms. charms. And I was like, what? What do they do in I those know. temples is and what I want to know. tutor was like, yeah, that's just religion covering science. Let me tell you the science. And I was like, okay, sure. I mean, I, I want to hear the science. Yeah. The science was if you're on your period, animals could smell you and then kill a lot of people because of you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's just not how animals work. But mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> like... Yeah. What? The human animal. Yes. yes. <laughs> you don't have to be menstruating for the human animal. Yeah, the human animal doesn't really care whether or not you are menstruating. Very much so. Another yeah. problem in India. Wow, I'm like really ripping on India. I love India. I just want you to know that. <laughs> yeah, but I think these criticisms are spoken out of love, right? Yeah, ways. like I want it to change. I want to be able to go there and walk outside without having a male cousin near me who could also, by the way, just sexually assault me and I wouldn't be better for it. You know, like, I want to be able to walk those streets without having fears. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There was, like, a story about a woman who was in her kitchen cooking and someone jumped the wall and killed her. And I was like, why? Why? Why go to that trouble to, like, break into a home, kill someone in their home? That's what I don't want. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of understandable. I think you'd be pretty reasonable there. I I mean, I don't know why you would, you know, I don't know why you wouldn't want to protect yourself. Absolutely. I think it might be surprising for people who hear somebody who grew up in Dubai talk about it that way. Is it more because you study abroad and because of the knowledge level that your parents have or what is it? I mean, or is Dubai just completely misrepresented in the press? Well, so Dubai includes international news and news for their expatriates. Okay. So they have a lot of Indian expats. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they want to have Indian news oh, okay. in their. So like in their newspapers, they'll have a couple of pages that's just covering India's news. Oh. So like I definitely learned from that for right. quite a while, and then I think when I go to India, and I'm not allowed to wear certain kinds of clothes. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, in Dubai, my parents are pretty restrictive. And then when Mm -hmm. I go to India, they're even more restrictive. Like, don't wear anything that's lower than your... Actually, just wear jeans all the time. Uh Um, And, like, don't wear anything that shows your shoulders or your upper arms. You know, like, that Uh sort of thing. uh So when my parents get stricter, I just started questioning, what is happening? Why is it worse here? Right, right. Because, like, I'm living with family. Right. Yeah, and again, I think for for most people who have never been to Dubai or India or both. Mm-hmm. The stereotype is that Dubai is worse than India, partly because oh, India. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dubai is, like, incredibly international. Right, right, You right. can wear pretty much... Like, you can wear shorts pretty casually yeah. in Dubai. Okay, yeah. okay. I'm glad you're telling us about it because, again, there's a stereotype about the Middle East and mm-hmm. partly also because India is American's friend. So yeah. There is a different way of coverage. I feel like there's definitely politically oriented mm-hmm. news coverage. I'm very interested in America being India's friend mm-hmm. because all I've seen is problems happening in India with 
no support mm. <laughs> or like no intervention. Right, right, right. No communication. I feel like the American friendship, international quote unquote friendship, is more like you support us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something to gain for yeah, America. Yeah, yeah, it does feel that way. Yeah. I mean, just looking at what happened in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a mess. Yeah. So. None of these, I think has been trying to manipulate Trump, which has been really interesting and fun. Um, when those two together? Yeah. Um, so Trump visited India, mm-hmm. and uh, Modi's first act of greeting was just hug him. Mm-hmm. And Trump didn't look happy about it. So it was a really amusing <laughs> picture that came in the news of Modi just kind of hugging him upward because uh-huh. Modi's a lot shorter. So okay. And so, like, he's got a lot of enthusiasm in his body language, mm-hmm. and Trump is like, oh, I don't okay <laughs> you know like he's kind of like taking this hug right 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 he's really, not really a hugger i don't think he's done hugging abroad too much yeah or, movie did it yes yes in some way it's very subversive isn't it yeah absolutely <laughs> i kind of enjoy seeing how international leaders sort of in their way sticking it up mm-hmm. to him even though they're still flattering him, especially from the old country because from the old country are kind of used to that very yeah. indirect way <laughs> dealing with people. Really diplomatic. I mean, Trump yeah. isn't hard to be diplomatic, too. He's got to say nice things, yeah. it seems. Yeah, he's pretty simple. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do we get onto this? <laughs> do you feel like, are you going to write more, explore more about this? I mean, because there's a lot of layers to what you were talking mm-hmm. about, right? Because you started off as if you wanted to please. And the setting as well, it, it kind of reminded me of Madonna's video from the 90s. Or the 90s or, what's the name of the song? When she was wearing this comb bra, but then she was wearing a lot of comb bra. Oh my gosh. I don't know anything about pop culture before uh, like 2004. Yeah, yeah, but you've been catching up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, my parents just didn't let me. So, like, it was okay. around sixth grade. I was like, oh, I think I just listened to my first English song. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, it's, your accent definitely doesn't, the way you act and everything, mm-hmm. it's, it's very hard to kind of remember <laughs> that you grew up elsewhere and it's a different culture and. And that you wouldn't know these pop culture references. The setting that you put the poem's character in, even though it's kind of autobiographically derived, Mm -hmm. in a sense, it's sort of sci-fi. In another sense, it's very peep show-esque. Yeah. Someone told me it sounded like Black Mirror. Oh, when, I, when I read it out, ooh, which I, like, I haven't seen. Me either, but yeah. I think I saw like a couple of excerpts where uh-huh, uh-huh. this mom was putting a chip into this child's brain so that it was like looking at things it wasn't supposed to. It would just say censored. Oh, wow. When she looks at it, it was weird. Yeah. It's very creepy. Yeah, very creepy. So. Although I'm sure parents would love that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, Vending Machine Girl, I think, fits in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> did you want it to be sci fi or did you want it to be more peep show like? a difficult question or maybe it's both i don't know i would say more peep show like because mm-hmm. the vending machine part was mostly like how i felt when i would interact with people right because the whole thing about women being catty towards other women is mm-hmm. such a patriarchally enforced stereotype yeah that yeah. like even when i would visit dubai there was like that sense of quote-unquote cattiness that was mm-hmm. instigated by these boys really you know because they would pay that kind of different attention to me mm-hmm. And there are these other girls who are like, why? What's going on? And I'm like, I don't like this. And so there's this whole kind of distance between me 
and like there are like three groups and there's distance between all of them because mm. only one group wants what's happening. <laughs> right, right, right. And yeah. the other two groups are like, I mean, I'm just here like, why? And then they're here like, why? Right. And so it's always like I'm looking through this glass mm. where the distance is just can't be covered. Yeah, yeah. And why would you want to go basically trying to get you to pick a fight with your friend? Right, right. Like, it was really weird, because it was, it was my friends. My friends were like, oh, you think you're hot shit? And I'm like, actually, I want anything except, like, be here right now. And they're like, oh, okay, and then we just left. <laughs> you know, like, it was a simple solution. Right. But the initial instinct is to question it. If you're not the one receiving that attention, it can come across as a problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. And again, I like the fact that you mentioned the cattiness between women as something that's sort of patriarchally instigated. Right. Because I, I think it's so unfair for men and women to say, oh, women need to be better to each other. I'm like, who kills more and more? Right. Who starts wars more? I think, like, right. you like, know, bitchiness kind of rates very low on the yeah. scale here. Like, I think in a situation where women are confused, that's immediately interpreted as mm-hmm. cattiness. Like, if you question, like, it's a rebellion, mm. which, ha, huh, that's a statement my parents made the other day about my hair it was great (laughs) but like the moment you question or say this is weird right it's it's a cattiness right and so like it's up to the men who are creating the problem or like the vending machine girl basically Mm -hmm. to kind of fix that right because like if my response to them saying why was like what do you mean why why not me that would be like kind of going with that cattiness stereotype right but and honestly if I didn't know them I would be like why are you making this about me but they were my friends and I was like oh yeah I don't actually want to be here guys yeah (laughs) you know I'm glad that you guys solved it without yeah because like each other's eyes out it was very clearly just because I was in America there's nothing else that I had green hair and I was studying in America right that was it and the assumption was that, that they that, could get whatever they could get out of these. Exactly. Right? It was crazy. <laughs> that those are the guidelines. <laughs> those are the checklists. Yes. That, yeah. that, that doesn't make them sound very smart. Though. Not at all. Yeah. That's a shame. It's <laughs> always a turn off for me. Anyway. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Stupid. Goodbye. This is a little bit about being able, you don't understand what I'm understanding, and I'm like, you're not attractive to me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, there's or, a certain amount of activeness that I demand yeah. from a significant other now, because I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to solve your problems for you. Yeah, exactly. I want you to be able to know what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you also want that level of interest, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than, oh, I'm going to put you in this category, and then that saved me time to try yep. to get to know you <laughs> as a person. American. Yeah. Check. Check. <laughs> I believe, ding, 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 we have a match. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's like yeah. weirdly tender. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and I also th- found it interesting that towards the end of the poem, she goes back between sort of wanting to please and then... Mm-hmm. Wanting to assert her personality, individuality. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to do the transition? So this kind of, again, just deriving from my personal experience. But I had this experience where I was so angry because it was with someone who had in the past been involved with a friend. Mm-hmm. And this friend was with me. and We were on a hiking trip. Mm-hmm. And they were really flirty with me. And I was okay. like, I'm not about to get into this kind of drama. Like... You can stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I kind of tried to push back and be like, actually, 
I'm nothing like this. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a shutdown. Like, you could mm-hmm. kind of see the interest in his eyes just glaze over. Uh-huh, and then uh-huh. he just kind of left the right. conversation. Right, right. There wasn't a point where it was like you could explain it right. and correct them. Right. Because it's kind of up to them to change the way they look at me. Right. Or, or like, anyone. Right. I wanted that to be in the poem because ultimately I can bang on the glass as long as I want. Mm-hmm. But they can just stop putting in a coin. Right, right. Yeah, I feel like in the poem, in the story, the setup is that there is almost a dependency mm-hmm. on the view of this client yeah. and that you don't really have anywhere to go mm-hmm. and that your livelihood depends on it. Yep. Right? So it's, it's a very sad situation. Yeah, right? it's a very like Manic Pixie Dream Girl situation, although <laughs> that, that term is like a little problematic. Yeah. But uh it's definitely what it is. It's mm-hmm. just like someone whose existence completely depends on your donations. Yeah. You know, like yeah, right. you're interesting because this person is putting that interest in you. Yeah. Yeah. Is, it's almost like she disappears if he's not there to look at yep. her, right? Which is so sad. And and, and for him. For <laughs> I mean, in real life, yes, for him, but in this story world, yeah. it's so sad for her. Yeah. You know? I initially wrote this to end with like me like breaking out Ooh. it didn't work i mm-hmm. wasn't happy with it because right, i was right. like if i could break out then i wouldn't have so many problems right exactly <laughs> um because then why not just do it at the beginning yeah right yeah like, why right, do i have right. to entertain for like six stances yeah exactly or verses. yeah 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 i like that you thought about that i feel like you're much more considerate than a lot of story <laughs> or movie script writers that's true not hard. Yeah. Are we yeah. talking about Game of Thrones? Thank you! <laughs> I was just going to ask you if you watched that. I did. I kind of hate watched the whole last season. Did you? Yeah. Um, I saw it. I was totally disappointed. The ends were... Okay, wait. Is yeah. it okay for spoilers? Yeah. This is not going to be on until September. Okay. If they haven't seen it by then, it's on them. Asking. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but, like, I fully expected Danny to not get the throne, mm-hmm. to die. And I was just waiting for that. She was one of my favorite characters right, from the get-go. Right, right. And then I kind of watched her kind of do some problematic stuff. Right, right, And I right. was like, you know, they're setting her up to die. Yeah. And I was yeah, okay yeah. with it. Like, I was like, this is going to happen. She kind of paved her path to it. Yeah. And I'm going to find my peace with it. Because, you know what? She cannot own these people of color. Like, that's right, ridiculous. Right, right, right. And then, the way they did it made me so angry. A lot of people, when I'm saying that I'm angry with it, are like, oh, just because the character you want on the throne. And I was like, no. First of all, no. My problem is that women in power continue to be portrayed negatively. Men continue to be the best candidate, which Mm -hmm. Varys says at one point that Jon Snow would be just better for the people to like because he's a man. And I was like... What? <laughs> yeah, he actually said that there was a lot of rationalization as they kept pushing to that conclusion, yeah. right? And also, all of these times that Daenerys, that Sansa, that what's her name, the younger sister, Arya, Arya, all of these instances where they save everybody. Right. The next scene is like, oh, we forgot. 
Yeah. It's like, yeah, and that's a, it was a plot line. That's and a, Jon Snow, I want to say, one of the main criticisms of Danny's character was that she was senselessly killing people. Uh-huh. John's also killed people senselessly. Yeah, Like, he gets first them. season, he beheads random people because Ned Stark told him to. <laughs> okay, calm down, everyone. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like all throughout the episodes, his saving grace, or the ones that quote-unquote makes him a better ruler, has been that he's indecisive about or, yeah, he's like, she's my queen. I don't want the throne. And you can just mash those two lines, and that's <laughs> Jon Snow's whole character in season eight. Like, he doesn't really say anything else. Yeah. He's just it, like, she's my queen, and he, I don't want the throne. Yeah. And the thing is, he has all this influence on her. Why can't they just talk about these things? And through, she's right? okay with being with him. Which, by the way, I'm okay with, because that show's all about incest. That's, like, part <laughs> yeah. of it. I can't yeah. be mad. Yeah. You're like, this is incest porn. Yeah, basically. like, Danny's a you- product of incest. The yeah. Targaryens bred yeah. through incest. She's yeah. only doing what they did. Yeah. And again, it's this incongruency between how women are being punished for their mistakes or for their bad decisions versus how men are being punished mm-hmm. or lack thereof. Yep. I mean, yeah. Jon Snow got so many of his soldiers killed because he kept going into battles that also, he should not have gone into. What's worth noting is in like the battle with the White Walkers, which lasted only one episode and was tediously long, by the way. Like, <laughs> even then. Yeah. Danny might not have military knowledge. I have to give credit to my partner. He's the one who pointed this out. He was like, haven't they played Age of Empire? <laughs> and so like, who puts the cavalry first? Wait, that's the one where people build, right? What do you mean? Age of Empires. Yeah, yeah, but they have, like, a lot of army strategy involved. And so, like, the cavalry, the Dothraki just went head first into the White Walkers, and then all of them seemed to have died. Right, yeah. And it was like, what is this gross massacre of people of color for the sake of drama? Like, they were trying to dramatize how dangerous these White Walkers are, but they, like, sacrificed the Dothraki and the Unsullied for it. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of like the hour and 20 minutes they had of that one episode was a lot of white characters being hacked and bitten over and over and not, not dying. dying. Yes, yes. There is a lot of racial hierarchy Absolutely. In, in that aspect. The Dothraki was never humanized. The Dothraki didn't even come with families. There's only the men. The yeah. men came on horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, where are the women and the children? What are they doing? Yeah, there was no feeling there were no women and children as yep. you said there was no humanizing of any of them and also the dragons i'm so angry about how they made the dragon behave when danny died <laughs> he didn't behave that way for the death of his siblings who right. he basically lived his whole life with right 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 and there was like a weirdly dog moment like the dragon was a dog uh-huh, right uh-huh. like she's just like wake up mom and everyone's like breaking inside i mean i did too i was like oh my god i'm dying this this death is like the worst death ever yeah but yeah. this dragon's doing it for me <laughs> but then afterwards i'm like you know they just want this big powerful creature mourning the death of a human yeah like it's very anthro anthropocentric absolutely yes, it's catering to like the importance of of us. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I feel like Daenerys also mourned her translator, Miss more than she mourned her, her dragon, even though. I mean, you could. Children. There's a lot of things that just made no freaking yep. sense, you know? Also, when did Danny become like a World War One pilot? 
Like, where did that, like, swerving skills come from? There's no explanation for, like, 90% of season eight. And I'm just here, like, okay, I can't believe any of this anymore. Yeah. Well, they've been off book, what, since the end of season six or something like that? I can't remember. I've never read the books. I read halfway, Um, and it's it's okay. I don't know. It's, like, really long. Uh, really hard to read. Oh, and I like to read. Yeah. Just disclaimer. Wow. I like reading. Yeah. <laughs> good. I'm glad I haven't read them. Well, not that I have time anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. All of it is just really disappointing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're setting her up to die. Meanwhile, John could have killed all of his, so many of his men. That that big Battle of the Bastards one yeah. where he just lost like thousands Everyone. upon thousands of men. Yeah. In that pile, it's like self-genocidal kind of action. Yeah. And then also swooped in with the veil soldiers again. <laughs> and then and then that's it. And then she still supports him. Yeah. Give me a break. Uh, it was really funny because it felt like Danny's character, the way it was written, was mm-hmm. pushing against the writers. Right, right. Like when they wrote her, everything she predicted came true. Mm. She was anything but mad right like Mm -hmm. she's like if you tell your siblings Sansa will tell Tyrion Tyrion will tell Varys and Varys will overthrow me what happened right and And that happened also it kind of goes back to what you were saying about this patriarchally enforced cattiness between women right there's like like no reason for them to hate each other why do they hate each other just because her loyalty towards this bloodline loyalty that made no, no sense. sense because Daenerys saved John. Yeah, Daenerys so, saved Winterfell. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, first John, which gave her no reason, Sansa no reason to hate her, and then she saved Winterfell. And Sansa is you would have thought, you know, her growing up, she kind of matured yeah. a bit, but right? So it I think make that sense. they were like trying to make her this bratty girl that she was in season one like they were like oh but Sansa's still the same and I'm like no No. you kind of raped her to change that right which also by the way they just explicitly said that she's no longer a little bird because of everything that happened yeah and then she was like it's okay because if that didn't happen to me I wouldn't be the person I am yeah so basically Mm. just excusing all that scene basically it's the writer's cop out (laughs) Yeah, they're wanting to, using the actress to wash themselves clean of this horrible thing that they decided to do, which is write a fucking rape scene. What's an awful (laughs) rape scene, which focuses on how hard it is to watch someone be raped... And not how hard it is to be raped. Yeah. Do you remember the videography? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It zooms in on Theon's face while he watches it happen. Yeah. It yeah. was incredibly insensitive. I was very angry after that episode. Yeah. It was all about, oh, what happened to the guys? Yeah. But this is the battle cry. So even current battle, you know, they'll come and rape our women and kill our children. And that's why we have to save. And that's why we have to get into the military and whatnot. It, the same old battle cries as if men are supposed to be born just to be killed on the battle. Another thing worth noting, especially with the American military, which I think I just read last week, which is about a list that turned up in a naval fleet that was a rape list of um, female soldiers. Yeah. Well, like, within their own... Well, there's the Air Force, the quote-unquote smash-or-not list that they had. It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the same thing. And uh, so... 
there's definitely that not wanting women to be part of the fighting force, internally enforced mm-hmm. culture of using rape as a method for expelling them. There's that. There's using rape as a weapon of war, mm-hmm. of course. Of course. <laughs> And again, it's sort of like it's meant to break the men. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not about the women. It's meant to break the men. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like women done done with you. That's it. Yeah. So me go away. It's so horrifying yeah. because no matter what, it's always about the men. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because I actually wrote a piece and I sent this to a friend who's doing a zine on menstruation for non-binary and trans people. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a piece for that, which was about. I kind of grew up non-binary, mm-hmm. and then when once I got my period, I became, like, female. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, because no one gave me an update. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I was just hanging out, playing a lot of field hockey, mm-hmm. and had a lot of friends who were guys because... My parents raised me non-binary, which meant that I didn't have anything that was like, I just want to sit and talk with girls because that's what girls do. I never had that. I was like, oh, I want to go play. And so I would just go play. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of female classmates who wouldn't do that because Mm -hmm. they were like busy talking about Barbie movies. (laughs) And this is very much like less than middle school or middle school. Mm -hmm. And then I got my period. And they were like, okay, so you need to stop playing with your male cousins as much. You need to not go to your male friends' houses anymore. And I was Mm -hmm. like, but why? Right. That's an interesting thing you said, because I kind of used that line. I was like, my body had become more fragile, but at the same time so strong that it could break men. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. This (laughs) idea that somehow women who are in their fertile periods is weaponized. Mm -hmm. And there's still the excuses. We need to protect you. We need to put Mm -hmm. you in a glass cage. Yep. And it's it's so frustrating. And then (laughs) Sansa was used basically as the blame for why John had to do what he did. Right. She's a plot point. Yeah. Most of the characters that are not white men seem to be plot points anyway. Yeah, yeah. And like, why would she do that? Mm-hmm. It makes sense. None of these things make yeah. sense. At the end of the day, it's like, blame the woman. Right. And yeah. then, I like had this conversation with a friend, and their defense was, what about Arya and like Brienne of Tarth, for example? And I was like, you know, those are like exceptionalized women that yeah. are like women who are better than other women, but only because they conform to masculine ideals. Yeah, you know, and like, also, oh yeah, they just happen to not want the throne. They're very ambitious, but yeah. not when it comes to the throne. Yeah. yeah, they didn't care at all that the men who supposedly love them for who they are suddenly left to go back to the people who are having terribly unhealthy relationships yeah. with, or that it's just like, these are two characters. And then again, their feats have been totally ignored. Yeah. Arya um, just saved. Well, Arya is interesting because she had, again, to use a term that my partner used, incredible plot armor. Because mm-hmm. when she was in Westeros while Danny was burning down everything, mm-hmm. she got hit by like a thousand things. I know, right? And she was just fine. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, yeah. I went to kill Cersei. Oops. <laughs> but I'm alive. Yeah, but look, this yeah. random person that I saved because she saved me died horrifically. Yeah. Aren't you sad for me? And I'm like, people are in plot points. Like, I stop know, doing that. so crazy. And what's up with that horse? Seriously. Oh, my God. I saw this meme that was like, Arya's Uber has arrived. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. And they should have just made it a unicorn. Right. Yeah, right. It, it was basically it was a, a unicorn. unicorn. <laughs> it 
might as well just been a unicorn. Uh, <laughs> it was so implausible. It was so insanely stupid at yeah. some point. It just became Gosh. a video game. Absolutely. Yeah. And then Bryn took the crown after all that shit about how he has to remain neutral and uninvolved because he's recording everyone's lives in history. And he's like, well, I guess Westeros doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, I was meant to be here. Yep. You were all meant Why do you think I came all this way? Yeah. Iconically awful line. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it kind of just made you do a double take, kind of just like, oh, he's a plotter all along. Yeah. You should have just made him the Ice King. Right. That was a good fan theory. <laughs> yeah, right? That would have been good. Also, he had all of this connection to the Night King, which he never did. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the hype behind Bran becoming the Three-Eyed Raven, was that he would be able to see Mm -hmm. everything and provide crucial information, which everyone thought that Jon Snow's real identity would be the crucial information, but that didn't end up mattering. Yeah. Just awful plot lines. Just what were the writers doing? I don't know. I do not know. Interestingly, Sophie Turner was very upset about the criticism. She was like, you're insulting everyone who worked on this show. And we were like, no, just the writers. (laughs) Yeah, mostly the writers, because, you know, you're hired to act out whatever they're saying. Yeah, definitely the writers. The producers, which are just terrible, terrible. But speaking of, you know, like, looking at women and how women look at themselves and mm-hmm. how men look at women. Yeah, like, that's very reflective of your poem. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's why I chose it because of that. Because originally I was thinking, do I go with the sci-fi point? Because mm-hmm. I was like, is this sci-fi or not? <laughs> like, so that's why I decided to pick my poem, which is called Same Shoes. So mm-hmm. I'll read that now. Talk with women and we will recount our untold odysseys. We'd bray into your hair, flowers of our youth, and wash you in the sacred tears of pains we hide for fear they'd be brushed aside. We'd shout, yes, in deafening silence, sounds pitched to protect all the others. For our own, we'd be awash in freezing disappointment and draped in guilt of could've, should've acted better. Talk of women, and we're Delilah's with shears tucked into the belt. We're Salome's seductive only to veil your decapitation. And who can forgive the infamous Eve, wanting education only to doom mankind into the sinful misery of knowledge? With or of, neither offers a true satisfaction, whether we peer at our reflection or depend on the eyes of others, the blind spot remains, like the image in funhouse mirrors, now shrinking, now growing, according to our changing perception. Yet this reflection forgets that we've never been alone in this hole of wavy looking glass, that everyone has been standing beside us, all bopping and weaving to find the appropriate image. Great. So I have a question right off the bat, which is, what's with the title? Oh, how does it fit in? I feel like there's a lot of this idea: men are from Mars, women are from Venus. So different that we're not. Never mind the same species. We're not even from the same planet, so we can't possibly be related. We can't possibly understand each other. You know, this this idea of separation is so strong that it kind of precludes even the attempt 
at understanding. Whereas I feel like we actually have a lot in common mm-hmm. and the manifested physical differences are much smaller than people realize. Mm-hmm. I've talked about it in other settings where I'm saying, yes, men and women are different, but so is one man to another man. Mm-hmm. And one woman to another woman. We're not all pressed from the same mold, or, mm-hmm. or even just a few mold. Yeah, you know, we're very different. Mm-hmm. So for people to just so readily, without truly thinking about it, to just say, "Oh, you're a woman, therefore we can't possibly have anything in common," it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I recently read a book. That is, I think, turn of the century, 19th century, mm. or like 19th to 20th. And they kind of say the feminine race, which is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, this distancing, yeah. this we can't possibly relate to you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Let's not even attempt it. And it, it's just insane. Yeah. I'm glad you kind of mentioned the women's period mm-hmm. before because I find that women are shamed into not talking or talking hushly uh-huh. about their periods. As if this is some horrible thing that they should be hiding, and then of course different cultures has ways of hiding women, again for fear of animals or whatever <laughs> excuse it is yeah. that she should be going into a period hut or whatever. And so we kind of protect the straight men, mm-hmm. though they want to have sex with us. But they don't want to understand that. It's entirely reproductive. Yeah, that's the whole concept of like futurity of men, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, we need men to sustain ourselves. <laughs> what do we? What will we do? Yeah, without men, oh my god, <laughs> life would be so hard. Life is not worth living. Honestly, though, I do need people to open my jars. I'm, <laughs> like, my arm strength is really poor. Fine, Brianna. Brianna of Tarth. Brianna of Tarth can open all my jars. Well, she's not busy anymore. That's true. Yeah. She's got a life now. Yeah. She has time. She has time. All right. One thing I super loved about your poem is there are really clear delineations between with women and of women Mm -hmm. in terms of how they're spoken of. Mm -hmm. So, like, with women is more, like, cultural, mythological passings, and Mm -hmm. then of women are, like, very white evangelical christianity patriarchy <laughs> language yeah, yeah like you had a lot of biblical references and the yeah. previous one you had a lot of like braiding flowers into your hair yeah, yeah. telling stories and all of those are like really cultural spoken word mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. learning experiences yeah, yeah. yeah and like the other one's really stagnant <laughs> Yeah, it's weird because I didn't start out writing this poem with the intention of just saying there's a lot of stereotyping mm-hmm. in both sections. Um, one is self-stereotyping and one is other stereotyping. Mm-hmm. In the middle of writing out the first section, mm-hmm. I thought, no, 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 you're just putting yourself in the best light possible. <laughs> this is what women would say about ourselves, but this is not all women, certainly. That's true. Yeah, and, and women come in all kinds of gradations and, mm-hmm. and characters. And I mean, I think that comes through the first verse or stanza what do you call it yeah first section first section (laughs) because like our untold odysseys the pains we hide for fear they'd be brushed aside those can be negative or positive Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it could be your mom telling you to dress modestly because Mm -hmm. she knows what can happen if you don't right or it can be i don't know she telling you this is really weird my mom totally told me this to have a needle in your pocket uh, so you can, like, prick people if right. they touch you inappropriately. Right, Like, right. there are two kinds of... Right, which is sort of, like, insanely impossible, right? It's like, wait, wait, don't leave. <laughs> Let me take out my needle and prick you. It's- well, so she had a... 
because they would stay in the crowded bus mm-hmm. and then they would accidentally cup you a little bit. Right, right, right. And so she would cross her hands and have a needle in one. Oh, of, so she always so she'd have she it in a knuckle. Ready, ready. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. like if they okay. reach down, she'd just jab. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like. Okay, so that makes sense. Right. Yes, yes, so absolutely. like. There's one way which is restrictive and policing women further, mm-hmm. and then there's another which is more empowering, right? And yeah, like, yeah. I think they both come through when you say that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. I wanted to make it so that it sounds more like stereotyping and that I know that some women will not relate to that at all. Interesting. And that's sort of the idea. But then some women will see themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think women will see themselves in all three stanzas even though they're supposed to be on different sides. You yeah. Know? But there are certainly women who think of other women as being too feminine. Not to Absolutely, too that. seductive. Yeah, yeah. Using these... sex as a weapon? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Sorry, like... that's too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> stop that. Stop that. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Like, you know, it's not just us. Mm-hmm. Because men are also both living down and living up to stereotypes mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, they're, they're just all constructs, right? Like, yeah. you're just made to think that that's how you are. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I just thought of this, but when you were saying men are from Mars and women are from Venus, I was like, wait, is that planets? Or is that, like, Roman mythology? <laughs> right? Because, like, Mars is the god of war. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Venus is, like, the goddess of beauty, and they had an affair. Well, this is actually a title of a book mm. that somebody wrote, like, a couple of decades wow, ago. Wow, I'm so mad. That was going to be my book. <laughs> And I imagine it must have come from the mythology as well, Mm -hmm. because, you know, they were named according to the gods anyway, so there definitely has some references to it, whether conscious or subconscious, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're so taught the the Western canon. Yep. Wow, I feel a little dumb that I just thought of that. Like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) this is the thing with these podcasts right we never know where we end up yeah just gotta talk it out yeah (laughs) okay i really like the funhouse mirrors why did you use that because like it's not an image that i would think of Mm -hmm. but then when it came to mind i was like oh my god totally yeah. You know, because I went to the Phoenix Art Museum mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Had some cultural passes. So that was great. And they had this, like... It's free on Wednesdays. And, yeah, so I thought it was free on Tuesdays, and I went there. Uh-huh. I live in Tempe. Right. So I kind of made a trip for this. Right, and I was right, like, well, right. I don't want to go back and come back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go to the library and see yeah, if they have yeah. passes. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, nice. ASU Library has a lot of cultural passes. Nice, which nice. is, like, libraries, museums, Japanese friendship garden... Botanical gardens. That's such a cool garden. Yeah. yeah. So you can go there, and if you get the pass, you can go there with someone, so you get plus one free. Oh, nice. So it's pretty nice. exciting. Call me. For Call sure. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went there, and they had, like, a an exhibit that was kind of, like, with the mirrors, but what mm. they do is they had, like, hanging lights. Oh, yeah, the Japanese. Yeah, it was, like, she something yes. forest. Yes, yes. She's done several of those. Yeah. Um, it's super interesting because it's entirely dark. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you can only see those lights reflected. So it actually yeah. looks like an infinitely large room. Yeah. That you don't know where it ends. But what happens is you just keep walking into mirrors over and over again. You're like, oh, my <laughs> yeah, God, I want to yeah. die. Yeah, don't um, run. Don't run. <laughs> yeah. <that> <laughs> um, and so, like, when it's dark, I guess you don't 
see the people that, that are standing right next to you right, looking right. at their reflections, right? Because right? you're busy, like, bumping into the mirror. <laughs> over yeah, and over. yeah, and also being just totally awed by the exhibit because it's sort of like you're standing in space. Yeah, like, you can't even see the floor. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I really love that. <laughs> I've seen another one of her exhibits as mm-hmm. well when I visited L.A. Yeah. And again, it's just really amazing. Not enough time, man. Because they time you. It's so... It's Wait, so, really? Yeah. Why do they time you? It's so famous. It's so popular. Oh, man. Yeah, now that basically... <laughs> you should. You should. L.A. is not that far from here. Yeah. Let me know when you go. <laughs> and it's really amazing. You kind of forget yourself and see this infinity of reflections. And again, it makes you feel like in the middle of the universe, which you can't do without mm-hmm. dying. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to sample it. <laughs> yeah, right? With the correct size astronaut suit. Yeah. Another thing that pisses people off. Oh. <laughs> it was during Women's Month, too, that that happened. Damn. Yeah. It sucks. Terrible. Yeah, I kind of wanted to, because I'm talking about just imagery, right? Mm -hmm. How do we see ourselves? It's never a complete picture because Mm -hmm. we only see our perspective. Other people can only see from their perspective. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, whether it's a reflection, if it's something that we perceive of ourselves or somebody else's perception of us it's never a complete picture and that's what makes it more like a funhouse mirror because it's mm-hmm. never quite exactly there's maybe a balancing point where you're like oh yeah that's sort of but you don't really know <laughs> if it is because again mirrors are not even today not with today's reliable. technology yeah mirrors are not reliable and also what we see in the mirror because most people are not perfectly symmetrical. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't know if there's anyone who's perfectly symmetrical. Yeah. What we see is actually different from what other people see. Absolutely. So, I it, mean, I would argue that what we see on a day-to-day basis is different. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. when I don't work out for a week, I just see myself as super unfit. <laughs> I'll be like, <laughs> wow, I look really unfit. I need to work out again. <laughs> You know, and then when I work out for like one day, I'm like, man, I feel great and I yeah. look awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely the link between how you feel and how mm-hmm. you think you look. Yep. And then there are the times where you feel great and then you look in the mirror and you're like, no, this is not at all how yeah. I think I look. How did that happen? That's why I put that image in. I don't exactly if there was a specific inspiration for it the wavy looking glass makes me think of a female body's curves oh yeah. you know because i was like yeah because when you go through the mirror you just go through distortions of like right, upper right, to lower right. body right yeah. yeah so it's cool there's definitely a lot of that and also because i hate saying the same thing over and over again so i just didn't want to keep saying oh fun house mirror <laughs> so yeah no i liked it thank you it's working thank you I really like the word bopping. Like, outside of the poem, I just mm-hmm. use bop a lot. It doesn't have one specific meaning for me. Yeah. yeah. I'm always like, yeah, I'm just bopping. Bopping nice. to some music. That's nice. It's, sometimes it's got a lot of motion. Yeah, right. like, bopping sometimes just means walking. Mm-hmm. Like, it just means whatever it needs to be. Right, People right. People just right. get it. <laughs> Words are cool. Yeah. Words are awesome. Yeah. As poets and writers. Right. You know, without words, who would we be? Yeah. I think there's a really fine line between poetry and fiction. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like always trying to do both. And I'm like, there's yeah. to some extent, when you write, every word has to have that kind of cadence. And you get to yeah. decide that yeah. cadence. And that's yeah. poetry, right? Right. And it's not necessarily always true. I've read 
prose poems or even just what other people consider poetry. The way I look at poems is that you can never be sure if it's a good poem, mm. but you can always be sure that it's a bad one. <laughs> you know, like poems are always so fluid and open right, to interpretation right, right. that like it really depends on who reads it, in yeah. what circumstance they read it, yeah. and how it like looks on a page and how it sounds out of pad right, on a page. Right, but right. like when it's bad, you know. Like, you read it or you hear it, you're like, oh, that's a bad poem. <laughs> there are definitely ones that I do not relate to at all. I'm just like... I have some pet peeve poets who yeah. are famous. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think a lot of people will bash me for saying this on a podcast of poetry, but I don't know if you've heard of Rupi Carr. Yes, I, I have. super hate Ruby Carr. Really, I oh, think she's the inspiration to a, at least two poet guests that we've had. I'm so <laughs> sorry for the poet guests. I mean, uh-huh. I don't think being inspired by Ruby Carr means you're a bad poet. Right, right, right. right. But I read her poems, and they're like four lines or like six oh, lines, oh, and I then I'm like. <sighs> They're like, you know those like Pinterest things that you hang on the top of your bed that says, you are enough. <laughs> That's all of Rupi Kaur's poetry. So you feel like she's more like an inspiration writer. Yes. Okay. she. I don't like, her poetry seems, I don't know, like not much. They seem to all be within the same realm of everything you have is enough. Femininity is enough. And I'm like, I'm glad that you think that, but like... <laughs> You want to say something more about that? I don't know. She doesn't live up to that because she doesn't just write one and be, that's enough. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> gosh. I don't know. I'm, it's just a pet peeve because, like, I don't get how so many people like her. Right, right, right. Because when I read it, I'm like, man, I know, like, too many people who can write better than this. Hmm. for me to be like this is great i wonder if it's digestibility i think so too my partner told me that he's like mm-hmm. you know maybe it's just that it's like so accessible right and right, it right. speaks to like everyday things that people deal with yeah like sometimes yeah. you just need to hear that you're enough sometimes you just need to hear that your femininity is enough right right you right. know and that's okay i, I accept that yeah yeah <laughs> I wonder if people really feel like somebody who you don't know saying that to you is enough, ironically. Unfortunately, I think life coaches have taught us that that's good. (laughs) I think (laughs) that means that it's working. I'm actually just pulling up some of her. Oh, cool. Yeah, because they sound more like fortune cookie. Yeah, like, Um, don't mistake salt for sugar. If he wants to be with you, he will. It's that simple. Yeah. I mean, it's very philosophical. It kind of reminds me of... I feel like philosophical is like a big word to describe it. You know? Like, yeah. I think it's like life lesson me. It's like a little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's didactic for people who need to hear it. Right. Like, right. if I was in a situation where I had someone that I, I wanted to be with, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that I'm a logical person who right. knows that that right right. but it usually defies logic right usually you're setting yourself up i'm like you know better yeah but why right that's the kind of thing that you would say to your friend if they were in that situation right but if you're in that situation it doesn't matter that you know it right so in that case it's super helpful to read that Mm. (laughs) and be like you know what that's right i don't need this you know like (laughs) i think it really helps to hear that from like a random source Mm, because that's kind of what you need at the moment. Right? Yeah, a slap in the face. <laughs> you know, like, you just need those words to hit you. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. God, this is so right. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Ruby Carr grinds my gears. 
<laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, interesting. I'm gonna have to look her up and be more. Yeah, we can and, talk about it more too. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but before I let you know, I have to know how do people follow you? What social media do you use? As I said before, <laughs> I'm very protective of my writing. Uh-huh. Where like I have yet to just post it. Uh-huh. But I guess I wouldn't mind Instagram people. Because yeah. I do, like, I kind of announced that I was doing a podcast recording today. So I do oh. announce that sort of thing right, right, right. on there yeah. when it happens. I think it's nice for people to, if they want to follow you, they like this podcast. It's, it's cool for yeah. them to just follow I mean, you and hit you up. Especially yeah, if I have a larger following for my writing, I would yeah. probably be more open yeah. to putting that out yeah. there. <laughs> So, what is your handle then? Oh, my Instagram handle is Nosferitu. Like Nosferatu, <laughs> but N O S F E R I T U. Okay. It's very Dracula, but yeah. full disclosure, it's from a video game. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, there's a game called Fire Emblem where you use the spell to kind of suck the life force of someone oh. and take it to oh. heal yourself. And I'm like, oh. you know, I'm into that. <laughs> Hey, that sounds like every unhealthy relationship. I know. I am that unhealthy. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. Of I really appreciate you talking with me about your poem. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed my time here. Good, good. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.